Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Uh, I want to start today off, we're going we're gonna to start with some family business. So if I could call Lauren Darling to the platform. Come on up. And my wife. Come on up, honey. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Lauren is the new church uh, office administrator. And so Woo-hoo. she began this Yay. week. We're so happy I'm excited because she's helping me out. Here, you stand over here in the middle. <laughs> We're so happy to have her on board here with us. Uh, there are so many things that happen in the office behind the scenes that, um, you know, no one knows about, and it's way too much for Pastor Stacy and myself, so Lauren is here to help us with all of that. Amen. And so, um, you know, you'll be talking with her about stuff. If you call the church, you may get her on the phone, or, or you may see emails from her, and so on and so on and so forth. So we just want to pray and bless what the Lord is doing. Father, we thank you for Lauren. We thank you for her joining us here uh, on the team in the office. And Lord, we just pray uh, the blessing of God upon her. Mm. Lord, that you would uh, bless her, bless her family, bless her children, Lord. And God, bless the times that we have together. Go ahead, Stacy. Lord, I just thank you, God. I thank you for her willingness, Lord, to um, just help the house and the body of Christ, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray special blessing over yes. her and, and over Barrett and even over Katie as they um, they allow her to take this time and, and give to the Lord. Lord, just blessing over her. Lord, I pray that um, you would equip her with everything that she needs, Lord, to help out here. And, Lord, we just pray that even as she sits in the house of God here, um, that she would be downloaded and mm. she would just even sense your presence in a new way, Lord God. And every gift and talent that you have given her, God, for this time would just flourish yes. and be used in the house of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, honey. Uh, oh, I'm going to need that. Perfect. Dorothy, if you'd come up. Dorothy had a uh, word of encouragement for us as well. Um, So on Holy Spirit Encounter Night, I was here, um, and I was sitting down, and I was praying, and I was crying, and I just really felt like I was backsliding in my relationship with the Lord, and I felt like he spoke to me, and he said, you're not backsliding, I'm just purifying you. And so these things are, they're rising up, and I'm cleaning them out of you, and if there are some of you who feel like that, I think that the Lord is speaking that over you too. Amen. 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 Come on. Come on. That's a good word. You know, sometimes we feel things and we think that what we're feeling is one thing and honestly it can be something else. And so that's a, that's a great word. You could feel like you're backslidden because you feel certain feelings, but our feelings can't always be trusted. What the Lord spoke to her was that he's refining her. You know, the word, the word that I've got uh, from the Lord for myself, and I believe it's a word for the church as well for 2023, uh, there's several things that the Lord's spoken to me personally, but the, the thing, the overwhelming thing that I feel for the church, for redeeming love for 2023 is this word holiness. Holiness, this refining, this refining. The Lord wants to call us... Uh, it's, it's not about not wanting to do wrong. It's about wanting to please our Father in all that we do. Holiness comes to a new level. It's not just a, it's not just a do and don't list. 
It's I want to please the heart of my Father. I want everything that I do, I want every word that I speak to be pleasing to him. It's, it's holiness. It's really what it is. And so I really do feel that for 2022, I don't, or 2023. What year is it? And I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know what that looks like in my life. And this is why we get the word and then we pray it out and we, we walk it out. I've said it before. If this is the line of sin, I want to back up and I want to get as far away from it as I can. Paul says, I want to avoid the appearance of something that looks like sin. I don't want somebody to look at me and think that I might be sinning. I want to back up from that. I want to, I want to not even leave, leave, leave a door of opportunity for, for, the, for the enemy to tempt me. Don't we pray the prayer, Matthew 6, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, lead me away from temptation Lead me away from temptation, and then we open up our temptation, and we're looking at temptation and temptation and temptation. Well, what do you want? Do you want temptation, or do you want to be led away from temptation? Take the temptation and just chuck it. Come on, if it's really that much of a temptation, go get a flip phone. They still make them. He's got one right there. He can show it to you in case you forgot what they look like. <laughs> and, it's not because, uh, and it's not because there's any temptation in his life. That's just the phone that he chooses. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We need to so know who we are in Christ. We need to know who we are. We need to know the, the, the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's nothing, there's, I mean, if you're not picking it up, the whole import of the prophetic words that came this morning, it's identity. Who are you in Christ? Who are you? We're going to read the scripture here in a little bit. We are going to get to the message that I prepared, I'm sure. And Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Who are you? Who do you say that you are? Who do you say that you are? What is the declaration that you declare over your life? I was having this conversation this week. I have no fear. I have no anxiety. Because I know who I am. I know who I am. Who am I? I'm loved by God. Who am I? I'm loved by God. What else? I don't know. I mean, there's probably a dozen other things that we could talk about, but knowing that I'm loved by God, that's the most important thing about me. When Lazarus was sick and dying, Martha and Mary sent word, and what did they say? They didn't even use his name. Martha and Mary didn't even use his name. The, they said to Jesus, the one whom you love is sick. What was the most important thing that Martha and Mary could say about their brother Lazarus who was dying? The one whom you love. It's Jesus' love for Lazarus that was the most important thing. It's God's love for me that's the most important thing. It's the most identifying thing over my life. The God of all creation. The God who created the heavens and the earth and the stars in the sky and everything. He loves me. Me. Individually. Not just as a whole group. I love you guys. No. No. 
It's personal for him. He loves you. You, 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 individually, each and every one of you. It's very personal. God loves you. And if God loves me, I'm delivered from what everybody else thinks about me. Listen, the most important person in the room loves me. So whatever else all of your all's opinion is, that's fine. It just doesn't matter to me. That Pastor Matty gets so excited up there, he just needs to calm down. That's fine, you can think that. Jesus didn't tell me that yet. I spoke with him this morning. He's okay with me carrying on a little bit. He wishes some of you would carry on a bit more. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know who I am. I've walked this out over many years. This isn't something that I just came to, but I, it begins with the idea of who are you? Yeah. Ephesians tells us that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. What does that look like? Just, just, just get a picture of the throne room, throne room of heaven. I mean, I know we can't really get a picture of the throne. I mean, our minds try. Revelation chapter 4, we could turn there. I won't do it. It'll take all day. Jesus, God on the throne. Indescribable. Light emanating. Multifaceted. He's like a jasper, jasper, jasper and a sardis stone in appearance, which means he's got many facets. And every time he moves, you see another facet and more light just emanates out of who he is. This is who God is. And he's seated on the throne. And he holds all the power and all dominion. He rules over the kingdom. And to his right hand, the place of power and authority is seated one, Jesus. And it says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. I'm seated right next to God, indescribable, unapproachable. This is what Christ has won for me at the cross. I don't get there because of my own merit. I don't get there because I've earned it. I don't get there because I deserve it. I don't get there because I'm good looking. It's because of Jesus. And there's nothing I can do to mess this up. I can't, it's, I can't mess it up. I can sin and I can fall, but if I get back up and I repent, it's game on and he brings me right back into the process. So the only thing I have to do is not quit. If I don't quit, I win. There's never been a better game. There's never been a better game. If you just don't quit, you win. All you gotta do is not give up. All you gotta do is just Get back up, get back up, get back up. It, the Bible says, though a righteous man may fall seven times, yet he get back up again. Seven not necessarily meaning, oh, okay, you only get seven chances at this. It's not like nine lives, we count them. Seven's the number of perfect. Perfe seven's the number of perfection. So you can fall the perfect amount of times and as long as you keep getting back up. 
Just keep getting back up. Just keep getting back up. You know, there's times where you, you may feel beat down. You may feel worn down. Get back up. I'm encouraging you today. Get back up. Come on. Run hard after God again. Come with me. Like, run hard after God again. There are some of you seated here today. You've run after, hard after God before in your life. And the enemy came somehow. I don't know how he came in. Maybe it was through an offense. And he took you out and you stopped running so hard. It's not that you're backslidden to the point where your salvation's in question, but you're just not giving it your all anymore. And I want to encourage you today. Get up and fight. Begin to run again. Run. Come on. Give it your all again. God is on the move. Three prophetic words this morning. We draw the line at three because scripture tells us to do so. It's awesome. Dorothy, how old are you? 18? 15? Almost 16. God's using 15 and 16-year-olds to bring the word of God in the house of the Lord. Fantastic. Fantastic. You're never too old. You're never too young. There is no such thing. The children will prophesy and declare... Come on, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have ordained praise. Glory to God. It's happening. <laughs> we had such an awesome time here on uh, Holy Spirit Encounter Night. I think we had uh, seven or eight people get up and share, prophesy, encourage, exhortations, all this stuff. Uh, we prayed for healing. We prayed for, for, for prophetic words for people. It was just awesome. God's doing great things. And it's only going to increase. I'm here to tell you today that the more you press in, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Are you hungry this morning? Are you hungry this morning? We live in a kingdom where only the hungry eat. And we live in a kingdom where only the thirsty drink. You've got to get hungry if you want some of the food. Glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Whoo! Hey, God is doing something awesome. And uh, we believe that revival is coming to Troy. Come on, we believe that revival is coming to Troy. Can I get an amen? Does anybody here believe it with me? We believe that revival is coming to Troy. Come on. And it takes all of us. It takes all of us. It takes every person in this room and then some. And so I put out the call today. Are you ready? Are you willing to work for revival? Revival will come. And you can choose to be part of it or not. And this is, this is the heart behind Engaged Church. Engaged Church, we talked last week about engaging God. Engage, this word engage, it's a deep connection and so last week we talked about this deep connection with God, and it's necessary. The words of A.W. Tozer, because we don't know who God is, there's a thousand lesser sins in our life. But this is the one sin that begets us all, is that we don't properly know who God is. And now, this week, we're talking about engaging church. We need to connect with one another here at church on a deep and on a, and on a working level. We need to be brothers and sisters in Christ and really be brothers and sisters. We really need to be the family of God that we call ourselves to be. 
And when we come together and we work with unity of purpose, this is when revival comes. <laughs> you could take a group of people that are unified in their thoughts and in their hearts, and they could do something evil, and it'll work. It'll work. Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 7. Let us build a tower to the heavens and make a name for ourselves. Might be Genesis chapter 5. Tower of Babel. They're doing something evil. And so it says that God then went down and he confused their speech and he confounded their language. Not only did he change it so that there were multiple languages across the face of the earth, he made it so that when I speak English, you don't even understand what I'm saying. So I can say, Merry Christmas, and you're going to hear Happy Easter. I'm going to say, I love you, and you're going to hear, he just wants control over me, or some other silly thing. He's confusing the language, and when we hear people speak, how many times do we do this? We hear somebody say something, and we think they're saying something else, and then there's this lack of communication, and then, this is every Hallmark movie you've seen. <laughs> I, <laughs> I digress. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, we can talk and say the right words and people still hear the wrong thing. This is why we pray. Speaking of prayer, our, our prayer and fasting is this week. If you were, I mean, when you came in, you should have been handed one of these. These are our prayer and fasting targets for the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every night of the week, we're going to gather from 6.30 to 8.00. These are the prayer targets that we're going to pray each night. And so we encourage you to join us uh, if you can make it. If, if you have kids at home, maybe, you know, one parent comes one night, the other parent comes the other night, you know, uh, something like that. Uh, get here. Get here. These, this is an awesome time. Uh, fasting and prayer is an awesome time here every single year. God does amazing things. He's going to do amazing things this year. I want to encourage you um, I've talked before about what you want to fast. You can fast anything you want. You know, this isn't like we're all going to fast the same thing. You pick what takes up your time, and you pick what you feel the Lord leading you to fast. It may be Daniel's fast, no meats, no sweets. It may be a little bit more than that. Um, I can't do water only, so I would never put that on anybody. Um, it could be anything you want. Juice fast. There's all kinds of fasts. There's, there's all these different types of fasts. You might just fast something like social media. People in the past have fasted sleep. And those are the people, they took the 2, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. shift. They're like, sign me up. I need to fast sleep. I'm going to give this middle of the night. I'm actually going to set my alarm, wake up in the middle of the night to pray because the Lord wants to break the power of sleep over my life. Amen. I feel the schedule filling up. <laughs> set the goal for yourself I, I want to say this we have our prayer targets corporately set a, set a goal for yourself as you fast this week right so as we're all fasting here's what we're going after as a church each night we have a thing God I want you to break addiction to social media off my life God, I want you to, I don't know, bring healing to my family. God, I want you to, I'm fasting for that this week. What are you fasting for? Set yourself a goal. 
is, this is fasting 101. Decide what you're going to fast. What's the foods you're going to fast or things you're going to fast? What's the goal for what you're fasting? And what's the time frame? The time frame's already set. It starts right now, and it goes until service next Sunday. We'll end, service, we'll end the fast at the end of service next Sunday. What's the length of your fast? What are you going to fast? What's the goal for your fast? And expect that God's going to do something. It talks about, it talks about the reward of fasting. There's a reward for fasting. God rewards fasting. Get in on this. Get in on this. This is good stuff. All right. Engage church. Here we go. We're talking about engaged church today. We're not talking about engaging the building. We're not trying to connect to the building. Church is the ecclesia. It's the believers. It's the gathering of those who believe and follow Christ. This is church. And so when we, when we say engage church it's about connecting with the person on your left. Everybody look to the left and the right. Everybody look to your right. I know you just looked at the back of everybody's heads. It's about connecting with the people that are on your right and on your left, that are in front of you, that are behind you, that you bump elbows with on the way in and the way out. This is what Engaged Church is about, connecting with one another here. I'm going to tell you right now, for, uh, we haven't even gotten to the first slide. I mean, this is the first slide, technically. We haven't got to the first scripture. I'm going to tell you right now, offenses are sure to come. Any, anybody in here a part of a family? Right? How many of us have been offen offended by our family? How many of us have been hurt by our family? How many of us have to walk in forgiveness to our family? Well, guess what? Family of God. We're just a bigger family. Church is just a bigger family. So I can guarantee you, there's going to be offenses. There's going to be your need to forgive. Things are going to happen. I'm going to walk by and not, not, rec not acknowledge you at some point. You're going to be offended at me. Somebody else is going to do something else. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. God take, does this wonderful thing. He brings us all together. He puts us into a group, and then we live with one another, and we offend one another, and we hurt one another, and now we have the opportunity to walk in forgiveness so that we can grow our faith. How, how many of you know that our faith grows when forgiveness grows? Our, fa our faith grows when forgiveness flows. Yeah. Our faith grows when forgiveness flows. So the so in essence, the more that we can become offended, the faster our faith is going to grow. <laughs> wow, what a dichotomy. <laughs> Sign me up. We don't have to go looking for it. Sin stands crouching at the door waiting. It's going to happen. We're going to have, you know, somebody's going to butt in line or, you know, take whatever before. And then, oh, they took my seat. Can you imagine? They sat in my seat. They parked in my space. I can imagine. It's called family. I had brothers growing up. <laughs> I still have brothers. Glory to God. All right, let's go into some scripture here, eh? Jesus, wow, God is so good. Come on, is anybody having some joy this morning? Anybody feeling, feeling some joy this morning? 
Come on, come on, come on. <sighs> Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Very interesting when Jesus says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? The son of man is the word that's very commonly used to refer to Jesus in his humanity. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. And so son of man is the term that refers to Jesus in his humanity. Who do the people say that I, this human being of Jesus, who do they say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elisha. John the Baptist had been murdered at this point. Some thought that perhaps he had been risen from the dead, we read in the text. Elijah had done many of the same miracles that we see Jesus now doing in mass. And so there's all these different things. One of the prophets, some of the prophets that have come back. And then he said, who do you say that I am? You've been following me for a minute. We've been walking around talking about the kingdom and stuff, who do you say that I am? Peter pipes up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ. That's the Greek word for Messiah, right? So in Hebrew, it's Messiah, Mashiach. In Greek, it's Christ. The actual Greek name is Christos with an X, right? So it's spelt with an X. So when you see when you see a Christmas abbreviated with an X, that's because Christ starts with an X. That's why they abbreviate it that way. Not that I'm in favor of the abbreviation, but that's why it's there. Continuing in verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. He gives Peter a new name. He says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for fl flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And I say that you are Peter. He changes his name. He changes his name. You're Peter. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new identity. Who you used to be, who you were before you came to Christ, that's not who you are anymore. And the struggle that many of us have is that we still hold on to our old identity while we're trying to walk out this new life. Paul says we are no longer who we were. We have been born again. When we go through baptism, we literally go into the water grave. The old man, the old flesh, is our old nature is buried in that water baptism. And we rise to the newness of life in Christ Jesus. So walk in the newness of life with Christ that he earned for you, that he came and made a way for you. Begin to walk in who God actually called you to be. Paul says, I, we now therefore know no man after the flesh. There's some people in here, their family. We know who they are. We know their failings. We know their shortcomings. 
But God has set gifts within the body. And so do we choose to see individuals through their weaknesses and through their failures, or do we choose to see people through who God has made them to be and the giftings that have been bestowed upon them? God's doing something awesome here. Uh, We've seen lots of healings, in case you haven't been here for a minute and haven't heard We've seen lots of healings. I have a whole list, and it's awesome. Um, And God has set specific people in the body where if you come up to me and say, hey, I need healing for this, I'm going to say, let me get this person. Let me get that person because they seem to have a gift to pray for. It's not that I can't pray for that thing. It's just that they're flowing in it, and I want to activate that gift. And so if I call that person over to pray for you instead of having me pray for you, and you decide that, well, I don't like that person praying for me, you are now knowing that person after the flesh, not after the spirit. And so you're saying no to the gift of God that's resident in the body because you're choosing to look at the flesh. What's the gift of God in you? How do you identify within the body of Christ What's your gifting? What's your talent? What's your ability? What do you have to bring to the table? God's given you a new nature. Start walking in it. Some of you haven't even started walking in it. You don't know what it is because you, you, haven't, you haven't tried it yet. This is what Wednesdays are for. Just come out and, and go for it. People got up and shared all kinds of words. Every single word, everybody clapped after every single one. It wasn't a little golf clap. I know I'm doing the golf clap. You are Peter, and on this rock, on this rock, what rock? Is it the rock of revelation? Because something was revealed to Peter. Is it revelation in general? Is Peter the rock? Peter, the name in Greek, is actually Cephas, means stone. And on this rock, your name is stone, and on this rock, I'll build the church. We'll play on words there. Is it Peter? This is, you know, why we have a pope, essentially. We don't have a pope. There is a pope, I should say. No, the, re- the, the rock that he's talking about building the church on is the revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the rock. The, what, what, how, <laughs> how do people get added to the church? When they believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so this is the rock upon which the church is built. The revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. This is the revelation. This is the revelation. This is the revelation. It's that one revelation that Jesus is going to build his church on. Anybody that says that Jesus Christ is Lord, hey, I'm working with that person. You know why? Because that's what the Bible tells me to do. I don't care if they speak in tongues. That's a side issue. I mean, I'd like for them to, but I'm not going to force them to. I'll work with them anyways. We need to be one. We need to, we need to, as Christians, we need to, as the church, church, the church at large, we need to, at the church at large, come together and start working with brothers and sisters in Christ across denominational lines. We need to get together with one another, not push one another apart. We need to focus on our similarities and not on our differences. Paul says there must be divisions among you in order to prove who's genuine. Ugh. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build. My church, not your church. 
It's not my church. It's his church. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. It's his church. It's his church. I'm just a steward. I just get to work here and take care of it, pour in my efforts. It's his church. This is why I don't take lightly when people start talking bad about the church. I don't care what church it is. Whether it's this church or any other, you can talk bad about this church. It's my church. You can talk bad about this church, and I'll take you that you're talking bad about me, and that's okay. But don't talk bad about the church because that's Jesus' church. Jesus loves the church. Jesus, guys, Jesus died for the church. He poured out his blood and died for the church. And we think we can talk bad and say, oh, well, this church this and this church that and that preacher this and that preacher that. Do you know why? Do you know why Billy Graham had such a successful ministry? Four reasons. It's called the, the Modesto Manifesto. There was uh, ministries dropping left and right all across the nation. They were falling off one right after the other. And he said, we're going to do four things to protect the ministry moving forward. Number one, Billy Graham said, I will never be alone with another woman other than my wife for the rest of my life. And he wasn't. And the world made fun of Mike Pence for doing this just a few years back. Number two, we will not abuse finances. We're going to be upfront and open with all finances. All of these things, by the way, are things that I do. I've never, I've never once counted here. You know, we count the offering. Never once. I don't, I don't have to. We have a wonderful team to do that. There's a, there's a CPA that goes over the books monthly. She checks everything that we're doing. We are on the up and up. Number three, we're not going to lie about numbers. We're not going to lie about the number of people that attend our conferences or the number of people that get saved at our conferences. So when I'm writing down a testimony about somebody got healed, it's very important to me that I'm writing it down truthfully because I'm not about to lie and blow it up and make, make it seem like God's doing something that he's not because that's not longevity in ministry. What's the fourth one? I'm confused. <laughs> he wouldn't be alone with women. Oh, yeah, fourth one. My whole reason why I brought this up. We're not going to talk. We're not going to talk bad about any other ministry. Any ministry that'll work with us, we're not going to talk bad about them. And even if they're not going to, even if they're not going to work with us, we're still not going to talk bad about them. It was good enough for Billy Graham. It's good enough for me. It kept him in ministry for what, 60 plus years? Come on, I'm keeping. I'm staying. Let's go. Don't let me hear you talking bad about a church. It's Jesus' church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's so much here in this scripture, guys. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Glory to God. The the, the all the, the gates of hell, the authority of hell has no power to prevail against the church. The gates of hell have no authority to prevail. This is just scripture. We're just reading it to you against the church. Are you in the church? Problem, problem we have, problem a lot of Christians have is that they're not in the church. They're not in the church because they got offended. They're not in the church because they had an opportunity to grow in faith. 
The number one thing, I believe 100% wholeheartedly, the number one thing that will spark revival is Christians coming back to church that don't go to church. That's the number one thing that will spark revival. Here's why. Because right now there are holes and there are gaps in the body of Christ. Those people are sitting at home because they got offended, they got wounded, and they, won't, they, 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 they said, I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to go back. I understand, and I'm not, I'm not discrediting anything that churches have done wrong. Churches have done a lot wrong, and it's not okay. But it's not okay for us to not take part in it any longer either. And so I want to invite all of you to help me to grow the church and bring revival, and here's how. You all know somebody, I know you do, you all know somebody who doesn't go to church anymore because they were hurt. Raise your hand if you don't know somebody that doesn't go to church, if you don't. Raise your hand if you don't know somebody that doesn't go to church because they were hurt. Not one hand. That means everybody in this room knows somebody that was hurt and doesn't go to church anymore. That's a lot of people. And I'm sure that none of us are thinking about the same person. Maybe married couples are. Here's what I want you to do. Get your invite cards and say, hey, listen, I want to invite you back to church. God's doing something. The spirit is moving and we need you because we do. The body of Christ needs everybody. It's only when we all come together that the body functions well. There is healing here. Not just in the physical. God's healing physical people. There's healing here emotionally. There's forgiveness available for all of us to walk in. Verse, six, uh, verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bound on, bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that he should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the keys to the kingdom. God wants to give you the power and the authority of the kingdom of God. This is God's heart. I will give you the keys. I will give you the power. I will give you the authority. You will bind on earth what is bound in heaven and you will loose on earth what is loosed in heaven. I know it reads a little bit different up there. It should read, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. If you read the NASB, which is a little bit more collegiate level, that's what it says. And then Jesus commanded his disciples that he should tell, they should tell no one. It's kind of this little thing with Jesus. I don't know why he's always telling them, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. That he was Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. We say this name all the time, Jesus Christ. What does it mean? Understand what it means. Ne names have meaning. Names have meaning, and we need to understand. Every time the word comes out of our mouth, we should, we should understand what it means. Jesus the Christ. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Messiah, which literally translated means Savior the Anointed One. 
Savior, the anointed one. Jesus, Savior. Jesus, Savior. Jesus, Savior. Jesus, Savior. Christ, Messiah, anointed one. Christ, Messiah, anointed one. Anointed one. Anointed one. So when you call me a Christian, you know what you're calling me? You're calling me a little Christ. You're calling me a little anointed one. Come on. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. They were, it was first used as a derogatory term. Christians, yeah, come on, lay it on me. I'll take a little bit of anointing. I mean, I really have a lot more than what you're thinking I've got, so. Greater works, standing for the greater works. Acts 2, 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls were added to the church. Come on. Talk about a good day. Talk about church growth. 3,000 souls were added. You know, interesting. I I love this portion of scripture. I'm all about it. Like, how do we get 3,000 people to be added to the church? What did did Peter preach? He said, uh, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. So he was pretty direct. It was a pretty bold message. So I'm thinking like, you sinners, <laughs> repent. The message of Peter. Ah, glory to God. And here's, uh, and they continued steadfastly. And so what did they do when they joined the church? What did they do when they joined the church? How did they engage church? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. All right, let's break this down. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They came and they learned what the apostles were teaching. They came and they heard what the apostles had to say. This is discipleship. They learned, they watched the apostles' life. They saw how they lived, and they imitated them. They saw the apostles. They're going to the temple every day. They're praying all the time. They keep reading these scriptures. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to imitate them. It's called discipleship. We have discipleship here. We're going to be starting small groups, end of the month, first week in February. Forget the launch date. Be coming up soon. Discipleship happens best in the context of engaged groups. We have an engaged group here called Foundations. What do we believe about prayer? What do we believe about reading your Bible? What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? You want, to, you want to jump right into discipleship? Get into the foundation small group. That's where you're going to learn about the doctrine. Go through membership. Many of you have. The apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Fellowship, koinonia is the Greek word. Fellowship is conversation about spiritual things. Too many times we get together and we're socializing. We're talking about the weather. We're talking about our chickens. And our conversation never goes to... Our conversation never goes to a spiritual level. Get together with brothers and sisters in Christ, these people on your right and on your left, and start to talk about spiritual matters. Have spiritual conversations. What are you reading in the Word? What is God speaking to you? What are you fasting for this week? All spiritual conversations that we should be having. And in the breaking of bread, communion. You know what happens during communion? Forgiveness. There it is again. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness is huge to the Lord, huge, it's huge. 
We need to be a people who walk in forgiveness. What else happens in communion? Unity. Unity happens through communion. Jesus, through communion, he tore down the middle wall of separation. There's no more separation. All that Jesus provided through the cross. And in prayers, it's important that we pray together as a body of Christ. That's what we're going to be doing all week this week. So for those of you that are familiar with our um, Holy Spirit Encounter Night format, it's going to be a little bit different than that. We're going to go back to what we used to have here as uh, corporate prayer nights. It's going to be that type of a format where we all come and pray. So we encourage all of you to come out this week as we pray and seek the Lord together as a church. And then fear came upon every soul. Reverential awe leads to signs and miracles and wonders. Walking in the fear of the Lord, walking in the reverential awe of the Lord leads to increases in miracle signs and wonders. Now, all believers who were together had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them all among all as anyone had need. As anyone had need, not want. Whatever you need, God will provide. Whatever you want, you're going to have to go and get. And so continuing daily, continuing every day with one accord in the temple, they went to church every day. And breaking bread from house to house, so they ate together in their houses. So they still had houses. And so when we read previously in the scriptures where it said that they sold possessions, they still had houses. They still had possessions. So the implication here is that the possessions that they were selling to provide for others' needs were possessions that they held that were in excess. So it's okay for us to still have, have possessions. From house to house, they ate their food with gladness. Can somebody get happy? Does anybody want to get happy? Come on, sometimes we just got to tell ourselves. We got to speak to ourselves. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have the joy of salvation. I have the joy of salvation. David prayed this in Psalm 51. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was anointed with gladness more than all of his more than anyone that ever walked the face of the planet. We are to be imitators of Christ. If Christ was glad, we should have a glad heart. Let happiness just flow out of you. Some of us need to change the conversation that we're having in our minds. We need to take every thought captive. How do we come to a place of being glad and being joyful? Change the narrative that's going on. We all have this internal conversation that we have in our mind, right? Is there anybody here that doesn't talk to themselves? Okay, good. We need to change the internal conversation. There are conversations that I will choose not to have with myself. <laughs> Some of you need to just shut down the conversation that's going on in your mind. And you need to stop talking to yourself like that. That's the enemy coming and having that conversation and you're giving him place. Kick him out. Get him out of here. There's sometimes where you, you show the enemy the 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 scriptures, and there's sometimes where you're just like, shut up. Gone in Jesus' name. Get that out of my house. Control the thoughts. Well, we'll God this and that. No. 
I know who God is. I've read my Bible a whole bunch of times, cover to cover, and I know who he is. I know his character, and that's a defaming, that's a defaming accusation against God, and I will not tolerate it in my mind. You get that junk out of here. That's not who God is. You don't understand the sovereignty of God. We can't. I don't. We say we understand. there's a word out there. We think we know what it means, but we don't know what it looks like. So we need to stop bringing accusations against God because we think. Don't go there. There are conversations that you need to stop having. And there's conversations that you need to start having. Gladness and simplicity of heart. Simplicity of heart. You know, as I read this, the scripture came to me from Ecclesiastes where Solomon says, um, I do not concern myself with matters that are too great for me. This is written in Ecclesiastes, so this is what Solomon says. I do not concern myself with matters that are too great for me. Hold up. Hold up. I know it's good. It is good, right? This is a fantastic scripture, and I live by this, right? I don't concern myself with matters that are, too, that, that are too great for me that I really can't do anything about. But let's examine Solomon's life for a moment. He was the king over the kingdom that was over every kingdom that he lived, so he knew what was going on in every other kingdom around him. We read last week how when queen, uh, the Queen of Sheba came, Right? And she had all these questions. He had every answer for every question that she had. And she was amazed. The word actually says that she was undone. She had no more strength in her spirit because of the majesty and the wisdom of Solomon. And he's like, I don't, con- I don't, I don't concern myself with matters too great for me. What? <laughs> You've got every answer to every question ever given and you don't concern yourself with matters too great for you. <laughs> it's a position of humility. It's really what it is. We need to position ourselves with a humble attitude and a humble spirit. Love it. Simplicity of heart. This is simplicity of heart. Humility. Come to a place of humility. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Oops, I skipped a part. And praising God, you better worship. That's all I've got to say. If you don't worship, figure it out. <laughs> Put on some music, start worshiping, find something you like, lift your hands, move your body, you know, do something. Stop standing there and worship like this. God can't move when you're like this. There's something to be said about allowing your body to be moving in the Holy Spirit. And God granted them favor. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. I want to I read this and we'll finish up with this thought. 1 Corinthians 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all of the, all of the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not many, is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? 
But now has God, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If we were all just a nose, we'd just be one big nose. We wouldn't be a body. But <laughs> it's hilarious, but this is the way we think sometimes. Oh, we're all going to preach. We're all going to prophesy. We're all going to do the same thing. No. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. No, the thumb-thumbs that ran around in the, oh my gosh. No, <laughs> no much, <laughs> no, <laughs> oh Jesus. Thank you, Lord. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. The weaker are necessary. And those members of the body that we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, we have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. And that there should be no schism, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. God made us to be the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ at Redeeming Love. And there are other bodies of Christ within the community of Troy. And we will seek to work with those bodies of Christ whenever possible. Now, within the body of redeeming love, God has given a head and an eye and an ear and an arm and a hand and an elbow and a knee and a butt and a, and a, and a quad. And yes, all the parts of the body, they're all here. What were to happen if I try to run and I don't have feet? Where are my feet? Who's my feet? Who are my eyes? Who are my hands? Where are the hands? We need some hands. We need some, we need some elbows, because what's going on with no elbows, right? But we're, we're a body, and God wants all of us to work in perfect unity and harmony. But the hands are like, ah, I can't go. I'm busy. And so we show up, and we're, we're one hand in it, because the other hand decided to stay home today. We're, we're one footing it because the other foot decided to stay home today. What happens when the body's not whole? We look kind of silly. We have to have compensation. We have to do funny things. But when the whole body comes together, when everybody gets on the same page, what's the vision of God over redeeming love? For revival to come to Troy. We want to see the city of Troy saved. What does that mean? What are the steps? God will work that out step by step by step. The next step that we have is prayer. We're going to pray and fast for a week. God's going to give us wisdom and knowledge and revelation. We have plans. God has already downloaded plans into our mind on how we're going to reach the city. But we need all of you to come on board and say, hey, I'm with you. What can I do to help? How can I be a hand? How can I be a foot? How can I be an elbow? How can I be a butt? Everybody's got, everybody's got a butt. What can I do? Where can I belong? Come on, I don't know. But we'll just go and we'll figure it out together. We'll go and we'll figure it out together. It comes back to the ship. If you're a ship sitting still, 
we can't turn you. You can flip the rudder all you want, but if the ship's moving, we can flip the rudder, and now we can get you to go wherever the Holy Spirit wants you to go. So just get up, get out, get going, and take part in what's going on here at Redeeming Love. Show up for church on Sunday. Show up for small groups when we have them. Show up for prayer this week. It's about being together. It's about connecting. Get together. Find the person on your right and on your left and invite them to dinner. Invite them out to lunch. Go to coffee with them. Just start building relationships one to another all around the room. When these relationships are built, you're sitting there and saying, nobody ever invited me out. Well, you go and invite somebody else out. There's a two-way street. When we all come together, unity of purpose, we can't be stopped. Revival is eminent. Revival is eminent. Revival is eminent. Come on. Has anybody here want a revival? The increase of the kingdom of God in Troy, it's eminent. It's going to happen. It has to happen. Because there's unity being built here. God is building and increasing the unity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this body of believers. And Lord, we pray that you would draw us close as a family, that you would draw us closer than we've ever been. Lord, I pray for uh, times together. God, I pray that uh, there would be all these invitations. I know we're starting a fast. All these invitations for dinners and lunches together and coffee dates. Uh, God, in the midst of the fast and even after the fast, Lord, that it wouldn't just be a one-week thing, but God, that this would just be the rest of our lives together, Lord. That you would take every single one of us and that you would knit us together as your holy family. God, that you would call every hand and every foot, every leg and every arm, every eye and every ear to function well within the body of Christ. God, we thank you for what you, you did here on Holy Spirit Encounter Night, for all of the voices that spoke. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to move through this body, that you would continue to move with this body. And God, we just pray your blessing over this week. God, we pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. God, do something amazing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Allison.